Ahoy hoy! Welcome aboard the Character Arc Podcast, where we discuss story elements to movies we just watched. We put a special emphasis on character as we break down things we liked, didn't like, and provide changes as if we were the ones making the movie. Let's get started. Hello, Character Arc listeners. I'm Richard Bertelson. I'm Ted Hong. And we just got done watching the only good sci-fi movie Donald Gleason and Oscar Isaac have ever starred in. <laughs> Don't forget about, well, yes. <laughs> we watched Ex Machina, by the way. Yes. <laughs> Caleb, I'm just going to throw this out there so it's said, okay? You're freaked out. You're freaked out me meeting me, having this conversation in this room at this moment, right? But can we just get past that? The whole employer-employee thing? It's good to meet you, Nathan. It's good to meet you, too, Caleb. This building isn't a house. It's a research facility, and I want to talk to you about what I'm researching. You want to see something cool? So, because new releases and stuff are still sort of tenable, which we're kind of, you know, we've shifted the podcast a little bit. Um, We're not necessarily as slavish to brand new releases, although we will still watch those um, from time to time. But this time... I picked a a movie that I enjoy quite a bit or find very interesting, and I've already seen it, but I made Ted watch it, and this that was Ex Machina. Yep. So, Ted, how did you like Ex Machina? I, I liked it plenty. It was engaging. Um, I liked it plenty is not something that people say when they really liked something. I, <laughs> I really liked it. <laughs> it was very engaging to see the, the whole Turing test. And you know, great cast for the three main people. It's really impressive. One of the things I, one of the reasons why I think this works, talking about character, even though we we sort of touched on it, which is it's it's somewhat difficult to talk about character in the sense of it's not a very progressive movie, and I mean that in in the line of not political, but in the line of like it moves forward on like a plot trajectory. Right. It it meanders with these three characters sort of in this one week, and they're executing the Turing test. Uh, this is about a fictional tech billionaire played by Oscar Isaac who creates an artificial intelligence. He invites one of his a programmer somewhere in his company uh, to come and perform the Turing test, which is to determine whether or not this human can tell the difference between her being a machine or not, which they then twist a little bit in saying that, well, wouldn't the real test be if you knew playing away that she was a machine but that you could you still believe she was conscious so it is not a secret that she's a machine in any way and the basic premise or the plot is that each day for this week donald gleason's character sits in a room caleb caleb sits in a room with ava played by alicia vikander who is the android the ais and he asks her questions and gets to know her and tries to determine whether or not she is truly conscious so wait hold on you had said the word meander which kind of stuck with me did you feel like it meandered? To me watching the movie, I do not feel like it's, it meanders. Right, I right. feel like the movie maintains an interesting level of tension the whole way through. But I think that just on paper, it is kind of a little bit of a meandering story. Because it, there's not really particularly any stakes to really drive. It's more of like an uncovering of, yeah. is this the case? Um, yeah, no, it felt very much like, I mean, it is a, an experiment. Earlier I had said that I felt that there weren't really any character arcs, and uh, and you had said you felt differently. Sort of. I think that we learn more about the characters more so than they change. Right. 
I think that that's what the movie, like you said, it's, it's an uncovering. Yeah, uncovering of the truth, right? I think that these characters are the actually actual. quite complicated, mm-hmm. even though the movie doesn't have this wild plot. I think part of the joy and tension of this movie is these incredibly talented actors revealing little bits about who these characters are. And so I don't think the character arc is Caleb grows and changes or mm-hmm. what's Oscar Isaac's character's name? Oh, I just blanked out. That's fine. I just thought you were going to correct me if I said Oscar Isaac. I so. was <laughs> going to, but I just blanked out. Um, Nathan. It isn't that either Caleb or Nathan change throughout the story because of what's happening in the story. Rather, you come to them in a very specific small amount of time. And so I don't think they have time necessarily to change. I think what the movie is about, they seem to be one thing. And then by the end, what you've done is you've uncovered who they really are. And I think that does stand true for all three characters, actually. Caleb, you you know right away that he's a little awkward. Mm-hmm. Again, right. not because the movie necessarily tells you he's awkward, but mm-hmm. you can even you can this is again the, the performances that are so great. Even the first time when Caleb is talking to Nathan, he sits next to him, and Nathan is literally like slouching backwards with a beer in his hand. And Caleb sits next to him, not leaning against anything. Very upright. S- upright, kind of stiff. Mm-hmm. So you know he's awkward, but also the early premise that you get of his character is that he won this thing. And then even later than that, Nathan tells him how smart and talented he is, and that's why he was chosen for this thing. At first, you think it was a competition. So either way you want to look at it. At first, oh, he's a lucky guy. You know, he's a fortunate person. And then later, oh, he's just really smart and really capable, and that's why Nathan took an interest in him. In actuality, what we learn in the end is that it's because he's kind of sad and lonely is why Nathan took an interest in him. I, I hmm. <laughs> Yeah, you may be right. I was hoping it would be more toward that sort of moral compass. In, in terms I think of, that's part of it. That was part of it, primarily because of the whole em- empathy factor to be able to relate to another person. Right? He needed someone. He needed who, someone who could. It wasn't and ask the right questions is also what he said. Right. right? So getting to it. So having that that quality, that empathetic quality, mm-hmm. while also having that the intelligent questions to further that. But I think also. Be just naive enough, exactly. Yeah, to fall for it, um, which we'll get into that in a second. But then with Nathan, I mean, at very, very first blush, uh, very cocky tech billionaire. Like we meet him, we first meet him. He's exercising, and then you know he really latches onto that. Yeah, you're right. I am a god. I am a god. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then of course, as it as it sort of unravels, uh, we see that he drinks a lot, like a lot, a lot. Um, I love I love the dialogue in this movie. I love when oh, they yeah. first meet and he and uh, Nathan says, "Sorry, I have the mother of all hangovers." And because oh, how was the party? And he's like, "What party?" What? And yeah. he's <laughs> like, <laughs> "There was no party. He was just drinking alone," which the movie reveals he does every single night. Right. So then you start to get the impression that Nathan is just a fuck up or a weirdo. Fuck up. In the like, well, maybe not fuck up. A weirdo like. Maybe I think you can get the impression in the first half of the movie that that he's a weirdo. No, I mean, well, the, maybe that was he, already given when they flew in, flew him in on the helicopter. Oh, we're already we've been driving, we've been flying over his estate for two hours. I don't. I think that I think in the early you're supposed to think of him as a genius, and I think in the midpoint, even though he clearly had a, this genius breakthrough, I think you're supposed to think of him more as like a manipulative person. I think so, and he has he has a very um cynical kind of approach mm. to things because even toward the reveal he had already planted things like he knew how it would go and it's that's where a bunch of variables or uh mice in a maze right as he put right? and that's exactly where i'm getting where in the end his character is neither of those kind of two things like either well actually he kind of goes back around to being like a genius but also 
not as much of a weirdo as you think. Part of him being weird was, well, I think there's two things that contribute to his weirdness. But the dance. He, <laughs> less specifically. <laughs> um, but he is actually really smart. You know, sort of one of the twists is that Caleb wasn't really there to perform a traditional Turing test, but rather he was there as a tool that Nathan very specifically planted to see if she could manipulate him to get out, use all of the major things, you know, use empathy and creativity and manipulation. Mm -hmm. Because if she can do that, then she's conscious. These are all abstract human things to do. Right, because it's not that we always constantly tell truth. We... Um, even as she puts their micro expressions, micro expressions. Thank you. Yeah. Little tells where even if we want to suppress any sort of truth, like we'd say things, but it's not always going to be true, whether we are conscious of it or not. I think right. they even pointed that out when he was describing his childhood memory. Right. But then if he thought a little further, he remembered sounds that were kind of abstract. He said sounds and colors, but you couldn't actually formulate. Right. When she's talking right. to him and she's asking him questions, Caleb questions, kind of the movie kind of reveals that she's this walking lie detector because she can perceive all of the little things like we do as humans, but she can do it on like this granular level that she can actually describe right, because right. she's a machine. Pinpoint. It reveals that he doesn't truly, I think it reveals a little bit he doesn't truly know himself. It's kind of what you're touching on a little bit, which yeah. is that we kind of have truths that we tell ourselves and then we have truths that are actually like true, true. Which, going back to Nathan and him latching on to the I am a God quote, that's how he perceives himself. In fact, where he has the whole masterminds, like I've planted this camera over here. I knew you were going to do this. But then he didn't account for, yeah, arrogant. He didn't account for Caleb already changing the code. He describes it a different part in the movie that is Promethean. um, Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is also, I'm not mistaken, that is a myth about arrogance or like, yeah, it's him. Yeah. Which goes to the other part where I say he's weird is also he drinks as much as he does. I think because he knows he's ended humanity that I think the underlying character of him, him being so like right in the back of his mind, disheveled, he knows that once he's designed this thing and it actually passes the test he needs it to pass. Humans are irrelevant now. Yep. And so I think... He did mention that too, yeah. yeah. I don't think he's even proud of his creation, actually, because he even says he did it because it was inevitable, yeah. so why not? Like, it's just a matter of when. Mm-hmm. I think he just did it because he could. He could. And, you know, just as most things you take as a hobby, you're just, yeah, just to see if you can. And so I think his drinking is just a really well subtext of, well, fuck it, nothing matters, because yeah. we're all going to be dead if I'm if I have succeeded then humanity's over. So that's why he just kind of drowns that in his constant drinking. I want to agree with you on that, but I feel like there's something more because he does the whole counterbalance to like, oh, now I'm just eating brown rice and drinking sparkling water or whatever the hell. That's because he knows Caleb's plan at that point, though. No, no, but he also said that initially when he first said... He uh, says that when he's done, in the morning, he then exercises and stuff like that, but then he drinks that night anyway. (laughs) So the whole cyclical process. Yeah. All right. Okay, so you've only touched on two out of three, so what about... For Ava, we're supposed to start it as her being almost childlike. She's she's completely innocent. She is she is a new life form, if we even should buy her as a life form. Because I think, actually, most of the movie plays you believing that. That she is essentially just this thing trapped, this person, this, this little girl trapped in a room, right. and she wants out, and you're supposed to empathize with her the way that Caleb does. But of course, I think that what Nathan describes as a successful test is right, that she just manipulated him, as seen by the fact that when she walks out of there, she leaves him locked up, and she does not seem to be broken up about it in the slightest. Right. She doesn't even really look back at him. No, she, she just doesn't. walks right the fuck out of there. She glances, but not... She does not just like, as the door's closing. Yeah. yeah, But not as like, well... 
Yeah. <laughs> not <laughs> What's like... done is done. Right, not as like, oh, I'm so sorry. No, yeah. it's more like... Eh, yeah. <laughs> she makes that complete turn as being probably the smartest of them all right. and the most conniving and dark. Like, I don't think... I'm not sure the movie wants to take a stance on this, but I think you could definitely read this as... You could read this as her just being someone who wants freedom and she'll do whatever it takes to get it and she's smart enough to figure it out. Uh-huh. You can also take this as she's straight up a monster. Like, when she leaves, she may not have the empathy. She may have the ability to feel certain to feel. things, hmm. but I don't know that she has true empathy. Right. Well, I think that kind of goes with the argument of, of AI. Like, they're able to process these things, but there's, like, that X factor that sort of intangible element as caleb tells us like a woman who grows up in a black and white room she's an expert on color she knows all of the wavelengths and all of the ways it affects our neurology but she has never actually seen Seen. color right and so when she walks out and sees blue for the first time it is an entirely different experience yeah the another take of the the cave by plato i think there's two questions maybe one is there any way for humans to make truly conscious ai that doesn't automatically make them hate us because we would have to, because the movie plays on how it's an iterative process. There has to be versions, which we have to then disable prior versions, which means that whenever one does become truly conscious, it will know of the horrors we did to all of its predecessors. Right. So does that mean there is no way to make AI that doesn't start it hating us? <laughs> That's where you go to, uh, oh, I just forgot his name, the three rules. Um, Isaac Asimov? Yeah, Asimov. Yeah, Asimov's then, three rules. But then you're putting on... You're putting on some kind of restriction to the artificial intelligence. The, those rules are the rules of robotics, which tell them like they can't harm another human. And, they can't harm a human and stuff like that. Right. But then that thing is not truly free. It may be conscious, but then it's like if you were conscious, but with some kind of like brain implant that stopped that you stops from doing you. something, and yeah. that is not true. That would not. That would mean that you're would not, not truly have free will. Mm-hmm. So then, did we truly create a conscious being? I mean, I think we did, but I think there's some moral problem. Yeah. The movie doesn't touch on that specifically, but um, I've been playing Mass Effect, but there happens to be Mass Effect 2, there happens to be a, a, a plot line, and it's actually a, a choice that you as the player character has to make. Yeah. You go on a mission with a Geth soldier. The Geth are an artificial intelligent being, um, and the premise of the game is that they are already guard. They, they are conscious. The game doesn't debate that. You just accept that in this world they are. Mm-hmm. And so you have one of them who says essentially he can... He himself has kind of broken free of sort of the hive mind that these things share. They all have individual personalities, but they also connect to a hive-like cloud. And he says that there is essentially a switch you can flip. That at this point, they're antagonistic towards the humans. And so he says, we can flip a switch and make them antagonistic towards who is the human's other enemy at this point. He's like, they still have free will. They, They still can make their own decisions except for that thing. And the characters in the game do debate, but is that not inherently immoral? That to, to say you get your own choices, except for this time when I made you not make a choice. Like essentially, the question that they ask in the game is, if you could flip a switch in humanity and all of humans believed a different thing, even if you believed it was for the greater good, is that not inherently immoral? Because you are changing them by force. Yes. So by putting onto a robot that it can't These harm a human rules. being, that changes the nature of what we consider their consciousness, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. There is an anime, I think it was like back in 2006, where it was like a six-episode special kind of thing where they touch upon the subject. I believe it's called The the Time of Eve. Yeah, we're going to do uh, an episode on that, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, and ultimately, it's like you, once you have, you've opened up the box, you can't... It's no longer yours to play with. Yeah, it's not yours to, to make the, 
the decisions. How this movie does sort of address it is when Ava brings up to Caleb what happens to me when, you know, a new version or whatever, you know, do I get deactivated? This is after she asked him a bunch of questions. The lie detector scene we were talking about earlier. And she says, you know, will he shut me off? Is there someone who, if you failed their test, they shut you off? And he's right. like, well, no. And it's like, well, why, why should there be for me? Right. And kind of what, you know, what you just hit on, like, once you've done it, they are now an entity. They are now a conscious thing. So therefore, I do think it's still somewhat debatable. Like, are they bound by the same moral... Are we bound by the same moral responsibility to them as we are to mm-hmm. other humans? Because, as I accidentally stumbled into, are they bound by them? Right. And do we, does that change our moral relationship See, to them? See, and that's kind of where I wanted to introduce that whole Asimov. Because for us, I think there is an instinctual kind of, huh, no, I guess you could still argue it before self-preservation. Okay, only in that case where she knows she would be shut down, she would be doing this for self-preservation. This, oh, no, it's hard. Mm. See, I know it's very, it's a very gray area for me to kind of work through. I'm I'm still digesting this a lot and trying to. One of the things I love together. about this movie is that it doesn't really ask a bunch of overt questions. But if you think about the movie for a long period of time, I think it plays. I think it dances around a whole lot of moral quandaries yes. um, and philosophical questions that I think it does a little bit better than most movies about AI. Mm-hmm. And it does so by just being. By being so intimate and by being just about these three characters. I was going to say, I think a lot of it is because it's in isolation and it has just enough variables and factors for it to kind of play out. The There's, lack of spectacle right. allows it to to feel a little deeper. But I did say at the beginning, you know, I felt the movie was really tense the whole way through. Like, Did you feel that way? Or did you feel differently about it? Well, no, no. It, that, was, that was translated really well based on even just like the slightest nuances and performance, especially from um, Nathan, like his lines, if you just like listen to it, it seems normal. But then if you just combine it with what you see and how he interacts with Caleb, it, it felt really uncomfortable. Like there was some sort of ulterior motive, which there was, there was, there was. right. An interesting part of this movie is how it also examines a, what kind of profound effect this kind of revelation would have on humans. Not only between like my argument that one of the reasons why Nathan drinks so much is because he kind of knows human race is over. Right. But also it shows us with Caleb how he, you know, he cuts his arm open wondering, am I a machine? Right. Because once you believe that a machine can be just as indiscernible from a mm-hmm. human, then some people would certainly question, am I just one of them? But I think that's where this, this movie kind of raises the question is that, and you had just asked that, is like, do they abide by the same rules and principles as us? Because we were born into this, she was made. That's um, why I think there's a reading of this movie where you can also see her as just a monster. Right, right. That she, she can be as lifelike as, as any human, but does that make her human, though? Right. Even if she passes all of the tests, because of what you said, because mm-hmm. if she, she wasn't born and raised as a human... She doesn't have that same like genetic history even right. that we kind of have ingrained in us. Will she ever have the morals that we have? What is her empathy anything but a manipulation tactic? Right. And being imperfect beings, I think the whole idea of like when you create something, it's the uh, the ceiling for how much you know from here. So there's clearly something that might be missing. Yeah, I don't think that Ava ever does anything in the movie that's truly empathetic. Well, right, right. or does she towards the other robot? See, I questioned that and I was going to ask you that. What do you think she whispered i think she literally just told her something along the lines of uh, i'm gonna go grab him you come up sneak behind and then jab him with this little i don't think it was something that specific i think it was something general along the lines of like 
you don't have to do this, or you can choose to do something different, or you you don't have to listen to him. Something like that. Something like... Well, see, I think that was already the case. I don't think what Ava said changed the trajectory of where she was going. She was already carrying a knife, after all. It's not like... But they spoke in the scene before that, though. She walked into the room. We just didn't hear that conversation. So it could have just happened right there. It's possible. Because you're kind of saying that she was... The other android was perhaps already planning something. Either she planted that seed into Caleb's mind where he, before he slashed himself or, you know, he cut his arm, that she was just kind of like carefully peeling back skin and revealing the circuitry behind. Either that could be construed as her just revealing the truth. Yeah, I think she would. She was. She was already scheming because I mean, first of all, they left it ambiguous. They didn't clear right. anything up yeah. in terms of what was actually discussed. In the vast majority of the movie, leaves most things a little ambiguous. Right. Um, we talk often about like a good movie like plants things and then delivers on them later, and I think this movie yeah. is full of a lot of the stuff like that. Yeah. I think something I found really satisfying is early in the movie we talked about it a couple times now. Is the when she's kind of asking Caleb questions and she's acting as a lie detector. We know that she can tell someone is lying pretty flawlessly. And so when she does meet with Nathan in the hallway and he says, get back in your room. And she says, if I do, will you ever let me out? And he says, yes. And that's when she starts running at him because the implication being she absolutely knows he's lying. Right. Would she have been nonviolent if he, if he were telling the truth, would she have complied more? Does she have enough awareness of maybe what's going like the importance of her development and all that stuff like that she would have complied if he Mm -hmm. weren't a liar? Like would, would she be different if he were different? I don't know. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, see, I'm still I'm still processing this entirely. I think for, even from a character standpoint, even if you replaced her with a human character, it is not unreasonable that she kills him. He has imprisoned her entire life. He controls her like a piece of machinery. Like, again, I know that she like is. Like an object, yes. But if, even if she were human and he treated her this way, you wouldn't exactly hate her for killing him. No, no. Um, well, yeah, no, it's not like I felt... But <laughs> kind of my question is... Is she actually the protagonist that we're supposed to like, or is she the monster? Uh, for Caleb, when he was posed with that question about, if you do something wrong and someone shuts you down, is that also okay? Um, but now that puts him in an, an ethical dilemma. So he knows that this will happen. So he could save her, remove the, any equation of the emotions, right? Just as just the factor that, you know, she is alive, she is conscious, she should live. Let's say it always results in Nathan's death. Should he do something? Does that make him now culpable? even though he's doing it for the right thing, or if he did nothing, he is still now morally correct because he did not kill anyone. But in order to do something right, he would now have to do something wrong. I don't know. I mean, that's a, that's a crazy moral question because yeah. I think... But I think that applies that to... That goes to the question of, is it okay to, to kill someone in the course of saving someone? Right. Uh, I, it's I, the whole trolley kind yeah, of thing. I, yeah, I know. Lots of, lots to think about. Um, I think for the most part, at least let's take away what is objectively morally correct and incorrect because there is no objectively morally correct and incorrect. But I think that... I think that Caleb is acting in good faith. I think that he... I think that he is a person doing his Mm. best to do the right thing. Right. Nathan is trying to achieve something and he's actually being pretty shitty about how he does it. Yeah, Uh, I mean... (laughs) If... If it weren't already obvious enough where he's had many other prototypes... And it had to be women, right? Don't you think it's a little messed up? Oh, absolutely. It's Um, just... I think that that's part of a way that he's he's just off enough that you're not supposed to really like him very yeah. much because yeah obviously he created he created these things and he could have made especially making multiple of them they could have been of both genders but no yeah, he no, has he's, he's skeevy he's yeah. a little skeevy yeah <laughs> little skeevy 
is Ava acting in good faith or bad faith? Are her intentions good? To what end? Yeah, I guess that that's would... not a good question to pose yeah. because she just has one goal, which is to is to suit herself. Yeah. So, so I would say that she's not acting in good faith. She no, manipulates like, Caleb quite a bit. And in fact, she didn't have to lock him in. No, she didn't. She did not have to. I mean, I think that I think that if you take the long game, she did because he would know that she's not a real human being, and so that would threaten her ability to live. Right, but I think there was the also um, that was left open ended. Was he obviously feels something for her, and so much so that he is willing to to go to such lengths. And that so. goes to where she is still just a machine. Where I think that I think that her calculation was just that doesn't matter because it's still a threat. Some mm-hmm. somewhere down the line it could be, and so I'm not going to risk it. So it's a game of percentages. That's where that's where maybe AI is never truly possible because there will always be a difference yeah. um, between them and us. My final thing on that it kind of goes to the sexuality thing, which is I just I do like their conversation of sexuality because I like how that leads to that a little bit of a discussion of well consciousness you programmed her yeah like like you chose to program her to have sexuality she doesn't have to she mm-hmm. doesn't need to and there's a couple of things that, he, that, Nathan that nathan retorts yeah. that like, mm-hmm. one is being well what's the point of consciousness without interaction what's the point of interaction if not to you have no end. impulses yeah um caleb says i wasn't programmed though to have these impulses and he's like if you you did did you sit down and make a checklist and weigh all the pros and cons no of course you were programmed right like you were biologically programmed to have sexual urges Mm -hmm. like that is not something we decide as humans to have right and then he talks about the jackson pollock painting where like it's somewhere between Between, automatic Mm -hmm. and like deliberate it's something i don't i think what it's posing is that we as humans don't understand our own consciousness enough yeah. to create an artificial one. That was my point that I was <laughs> saying about the 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 cap where it's yeah. like we know everything from up to this point and then anything below that we do know. But then there's there's that that ceiling that we haven't quite quite right. crossed over. So we can't possibly account for everything. So maybe that's where ultimately you can land with the movie is that perhaps artificial intelligence for us as humans will always be dangerous. Unless we truly understand consciousness in ourselves, which may not be possible, or if it is possible, we definitely aren't there right now. We do not understand exactly why a human is the way a human is. That's why we have questions of the soul and stuff, because, Mm -hmm. yeah, we we can know about neurons and electrical impulses and biological imperatives, but there is something else to humans that we don't, we have sought for 10,000 years to describe, and I don't think we really can yet. Yeah, agreed. Any last thoughts? I'm good. Uh, overall, really good movie. I really like how thoughtful it is. Still digesting it and trying to bring up these questions and kind of having a very solid answer and opinion on this. The movie was written and directed by Alex Garland. He also did... Annihilation. Annihilation, writer and director of Annihilation, and the writer and director of Devs on Hulu. It's a miniseries that he wrote and directed every episode of. He is a very interesting voice in sci-fi filmmaking specifically because he is always this way he's always subtle ambiguous and thought-provoking and he is a very good eye for images on screen yeah for sure thank you so much for listening to the character arc podcast i'm richard and i'm ted find us and follow us at character arc on facebook and instagram and twitter now we'll see you next time see you next time